It's been hot here in Homer, Alaska. What better time to celebrate a food beloved by people who live in this kind of heat for more than four weeks a year? Chili peppers. I went into the kitchen of Homer Truffle Company's Evangelina Briggs, who loves chilies perhaps almost as much as she loves chocolate, to talk about all things capsicum. From KBBI and Homer, my name is Jeff Lockwood, and it's time to check the pantry. important event in the history of food, at least in the historical era, was undoubtedly the Columbian Exchange. The transfer over a couple of centuries of ingredients between the Americas and Africa, Europe, and Asia. It utterly transformed the ecological and cultural background against which every single person lived. It introduced potatoes to Ireland, tomatoes to Italy, pigs to Mexico, horses to the Sioux, chocolate to Switzerland, vanilla to Madagascar, peanuts to Thailand, limes to Peru, and avocados to toast. Most of the foods that originated in the Americas ended up with specific regional appeals. Potatoes were loved across Europe but made little impact in the Middle East. Tomatoes were a hit in India, but a minor curiosity in China where they became known as barbarian eggplant. Two New World crops, though, were enthusiastically adopted to some degree by pretty much everybody around the world who came across them. One, tobacco, has had mostly negative impact. The other, chili pepper, has enriched just about every cuisine in the world. Fruits in the genus capsicum were domesticated in southern Mexico, Central America, and northern South America at least 5,000 years ago. The name chili derives from southern Mexico and became the dominant name throughout the world. In much of South America, the common name is aji, which originates in Peru. There are five domesticated cultivars in the capsicum genus, Two, Capsicum baccatum and Capsicum pubescens, are grown almost exclusively in Peru and Bolivia. The other three species spread the widest. By far the most common is Capsicum anum, which among other peppers gives us jalapenos, cayennes, New Mexico chilies, Thai bird's eyes, poblanos, and bell peppers. Capsicum frutescens, whose fruits point towards the sky instead of hanging down, contains the African piripiri and the Filipino siling labuyo, though its most famous example is certainly the Tabasco. The final species, sometimes called the bonnet peppers due to their distinct shape, is Capsicum chinens, which a Dutch botanist erroneously believed to originate in China. These are the hot ones. Habaneros, scotch bonnets, and all their derivatives from ghost peppers to Carolina reapers and whatever new insanely hot pepper has taken the top spot in the last five minutes are all represented here. The chemical that burns the mouth and any other thin, sensitive membranes is called capsaicin. There are plenty of reasons proposed for why so many people love food that causes actual physical pain. Some claim the sweat hot peppers produce cools you down in a hot climate. Some say it's like riding a roller coaster or watching a horror movie. It's not going to kill you, but it gives you a pleasurable taste of fear. Some say it keeps you from eating too much. Some claim it directly stimulates endorphins. Interestingly, only mammals are affected by capsaicin. Birds aren't bothered at all. Biologists suggest that the Darwinian explanation is that the wild ancestors of the plants relied on birds for seed dispersal. Mammalian molars tend to crush the seeds beyond use, so the plant developed a chemical defense of its otherwise attractive fruits in order to reproduce. It is a curious quirk of evolution that the chemical designed to discourage certain animals from eating chilies eventually became the very reason one particular animal picked them out of all the other plants around and put them on a path to spreading, literally, all the way around the world.
So I am here with Evangelina Briggs of Homer Truffle Company, and she is here to tell us about chiles. And why are you such an expert on chiles? It's because you come from Chile country. <laughs> well, you know, some would say it's not the Chile country. It's a little further south than that. Um, my family's from Mexico, and so our dishes are infused with chili peppers. Which part? My mom is from Michoacan, uh, further south, closer to Central America. Um, and my dad is from northern Mexico, um, from Monterrey, Nuevo León. Um, so I get, I get a little bit of everything. My mother's side of the family I'm more acquainted with. They are the cooks in our family. And um, my mom is an excellent cook. Um, my aunts were amazing. And of course my grandmother, holy cow. <laughs> She's exceptional. Um, and you know, she comes from a world where everything was ground by hand, made by hand. So the ingredients were a lot simpler. It was a much simpler time. Yeah, that's where my background is from. Most of our food, almost every single dish we eat has some type of chili pepper in it. Um, as a matter of fact, the earliest memory I have of my grandfather, because um, they, uh, in the United States, they lived up in Chicago and my, me and my immediate family lived in San Antonio, Texas. They would come down and visit us almost yearly. And so my earliest memory of him is, we were sitting down at the kitchen table and he always sat at the head of the table and he sits there and he pulls out this little sandwich bag and I'm watching him and it's got a bunch of these little red and orange, it was red and orange and yellow, these tiny, like these tiny little balls. And I watch him and he's eating and every once in a while, he, he had set the little sandwich bag in front of his plate and every once in a while he would grab one of the little balls and squish it and just drop it in his food. But like he would squish it between his fingers and dropping his food and I'm watching him, you know, and you know, he's, he's, he was a very, he is a very observant man. And he asked me, do you want to try? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and of course I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Instead of, you know, giving me a chili pepper, he gave me a piece of the food that had the chili pepper in it. And you know, it was a very traumatic experience. <laughs> <laughs> at that time, <laughs> but he never went anywhere without that bag. As I grew up, I um, came to know that he, uh, it was a chile piquín. So they're tight. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is in English. It is, and it's hard to find here. It, it's a tiny little chili pepper and the capsaicin in it is really, really high. My family members, they eat them straight. They don't put them in any food. So what my grandpa was doing, I found out later, was something very traditional in Southern Mexico is they do that a lot. Like they just grab the chili, they smash it, and then they just, you know, whatever's on their fingers and whatever is, falls on their food, that's how they like to season their food. Like portable hot sauce. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it was. And he would take it everywhere. And I remember sometimes, you know, my aunts, uh, a few of them were very young. They were so embarrassed because, you know, we would be at a fancy restaurant or, you know, a restaurant in general, and he'd pop out his little baggie with <laughs> chile piquins, and he'd just sit there and smash it on his food. <laughs> they were like, oh, my God. <laughs> that is one of the earliest memories I have of my grandfather. And he used to grow them. Sorry, that's where I was getting to. He used to grow them in his house. He moved three times, and all three times, every, every time we would visit his home, he would have the plants just sitting in the window or closest to the window because, you know, it, the temperatures are really harsh up there too. It's really hot and really cold, uh, whatever season it is. So, But he always had chile, always, <laughs> still does. Um, my aunts, whenever they cook for him because, you know, he, he needs a lot of help now, they um, don't really minimize the heat in any of his food still. I mean, some of the stuff he eats is pretty bland, but, you know... <laughs> It's not by choice. Probably, it probably makes, it, probably makes <laughs> him feel young again. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Anyhow. So basically, chiles are like, I mean, without them, Mexican cooking is like, what would it be? I can't speak for the whole country, <laughs> but 
From my personal experience, yes. I mean, I still have family in Mexico, and when they talk about dishes and when we have food, like it always has some type of chili pepper. Always. And, you know, chili peppers are not all hot. Right. So, um, well, they form like the base of so many sauces. Right. You know? And there's so much. Actually, I have to tell you this because I was thinking about this story. I can't remember where I heard this story. You know, one of the other sort of great cuisines in the world that uses tons and tons of chili peppers is Indian cooking. Yes. Right? I heard this story once about uh, a guy who he was nominated. He was the new ambassador to India from Mexico. And, you know, he'd never, he'd never been to India before. Yeah. He, goes over, he goes over to India and uh, his hosts throw him this, you know, welcome party. And they cook all this Indian food and he sits down and he's eating it. And he's like, oh, my God, this is exactly like the food at home. Yeah. How did you learn how to do this? And they're oh, like, yeah. I guess we learned it from you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Indian food, when my culinary palate started expanding, you know, I started exploring other food. Indian food was the easiest one I adapted to. And it was so seamless. Like, for me, the transition from Mexican food, the way I was eating it, to Indian food was just, it felt like I was home. I mean, there was certain ingredients like um, fennel seed. They use a lot of that. Right. Uh, there's just certain little things that came up that weren't, as used or not as dominant in our our um, ingredient list for bases showed up, but it was so comfortable. The heat was comfortable. Like everything was just perfect. And they like uh, curries. Like they like to use a lot of sauces and a lot of our food has sauces. Right. <laughs> like uh, it's, it's just a lot. We just call it something else, yeah, different. And they, and, they, and they base them a lot of the same way with, you know, pureed, like pureed, pureed chili peppers. Yes. And that's what we're doing today. All right. So tell me, <laughs> what are we what are we making today? I am um, attempting to recreate my aunt's um, mole verde. Mole verde is a sauce, and it is a pureed chili sauce, basically. The main ingredient, which I don't have today, is pumpkin seed. Welcome to Alaska. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice being here. <laughs> I could not find it, but... I have a very um, small selection of Mexican ingredients in the store, so there's not much to look through to find. Um, I know they didn't have any. They did have sesame seeds, which is another big part of the base. Um, and since I don't have pumpkin seed, my aunt normally fries this little piece of tortilla, corn tortilla, a corn tortilla. She fries it with the seeds. She uh, just quickly pan fries the seeds um, and she adds a little piece of corn tortilla, but since I don't have the pumpkin seeds and it's a huge part of the chili puree base, then I am going to use more <laughs> corn tortillas <laughs> to supplement it. Hopefully it doesn't throw the flavor off too much. Well, that's, that's the nature of living in Alaska. It's like, <laughs> you better learn. You better learn quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, in Mexico, the moles are like uh, our basis for a lot of our dishes. So you have a protein, you have a starch like rice most most of the time. You'll have some type of lentil or bean, you know, and then the protein is usually covered with some type of mole. In the United States, people associate mole with the uh, mole negro that we make. So, you know, like the chocolate sauce. Um, it ha Chocolate is one of the ingredients, but it's familiar that way. It's more recognized. When you go to Mexico and you ask for a mole, they're going to look at you like, what kind? Right. You know, kind of like when you walk into a Thai restaurant and you say, can I have curry? Well, we have yellow, red, green, and then each one has different components. Like, right. do you want the green this way or the green this way? It's like that. So for us, when we say mole, that's what we mean. There's all kinds. Well, I think a lot of people don't really realize, but, you know, I mean, in, in the States, like, <laughs> you know, yes. The vast majority, especially in Alaska, you ask the vast majority, well, tell me about Mexican food. They're like, uh, burritos? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, but then you actually, like, in Mexico, there's, I mean, how many different, there's got to be at least seven or eight distinct regional cuisines, and then oh, a bunch yeah. of sub-cuisines under that. Oh, yeah. You know what? What's interesting to me about Mexico is, I guess they could think about it like, Going from the West Coast to the Midwest to, I put Louisiana in a category all by itself. Yes, we do. In Louisiana, we do as well. I'm like, I really <laughs> I do. 
Actually, so, <laughs> Louisiana has two. There's New Orleans, and then there's the rest of South Louisiana. Yes, yes. So um, there's there's that, and then you go to the East Coast, you know. And I'm not I'm not I'm being very general because within each coast, there's a slew of different cookings and whatever influences. So it's exactly the same way. So Mexico, you have your different regions and everywhere you go, it's slightly different. Like, oh, I have a really good example. Stuffed, um, what people here call uh, stuffed bell peppers, not bell peppers, but uh, stuffed chilies. Like chili relleno? Yes, chile relleno. So I grew up eating chile relleno and it was never breaded. And everywhere you go in the United States, Mexican restaurants, they bread the uh, chile relleno. And I'm like, why? I don't like it, you know, because yeah, to me, like uh, the simpler, the better, right? So right. it's it's the pure meat of the chili. That's just how I grew up. My family grew up eating it. But then you go to Mexico, and literally in Mexico, there's some places that'll bread it. Is like it, it's not it's not a it's not a not a thing. If it's not breaded, is it like broiled, or they just, do they still deep fry it, or is it just? It is broiled. Or uh, my grandma. Oh, I remember my grandma. Uh, my dad's side. She had this. Uh, I I'm forgetting the word in English. She had this. Um, just say it in Spanish. It was like an asadero, but outside, uh, where people would barbecue, but it, it's not really barbecue. It's just like a pit in the in the ground, uh-huh. and it had a lot of. Uh, ash and she used to stick them in there so after she prepared the meat and she had already charred the pepper and then taken off the char skin and then she would stuff them she would rewrap them in foil and put them into the pit and so and then covered and then that's how they would cook all the way through and just oh god delicious cheese and meat and <laughs> chili pepper <laughs> it's just delicious and it's so simple you know i mean there's nothing very there's nothing complicated about it but the flavors just came out of everything what kind of chili she used to use uh i mean whatever was available but um for that particular recipe i remember it was a po- poblano pepper poblanos are are usually picked because of the size and they're easy to stuff. I've had people make them with regular bell peppers. Like the flavor doesn't come through, the meat of the pepper doesn't come through as much. I have Anaheim peppers because I didn't have poblano peppers. Welcome to Alaska. Welcome to Alaska. (laughs) I have Anaheim peppers and they smell smell pretty close. What's the difference gonna be between an Anaheim and a poblano? The poblano has more, when you cook it, it has more like a smoky flavor. And I guess I guess I should, should get into that just slightly. For me now, the way I pick the kind of pepper I'm going to use is um, based on a few characteristics. It has nothing to do with technique, nothing to do with uh, technical jargon or how hot the pepper is. Um, because you can always alter the heat of the pepper any way you like. I mean, I have my father-in-law that can't do any heat whatsoever. And then I have my husband that can eat the hottest ghost chili pepper on the face of this earth, you know, right, whatever. The color, depending on what I want to do, the color is important for me, the smell of it. So I'm one of those weird people at the store smelling the produce, like especially the peppers, because I can kind of gauge what it's going to taste like when I do whatever cooking technique to it. So my peppers, I love, love to either one, put them on the grill or two, uh, broil them in the oven. Sometimes I'll bake them depending on the softness that I want to get, but I love charring them, just absolutely charring them because the flavor just... It's just so much more pronounced. I love the profiles of the chilies themselves. And so I haven't used Anaheim very often, but again, it doesn't smell too far off and I can smell the heat just a little bit. So I'm excited about it. It's different (laughs) and I wanna see what it's like. That's what it's like for us. The way we get to know a pepper is by just using it and experimenting with it. So pan fry it, you want to do all sorts of things, uh, bake it, sear it, um, broil it, whatever you want. Like right now I have some pork tenderloin broiling in the oven because I wanted to put the sauce on top of it. And I did not do anything to that other than put some salt and pepper on it, throw some garlic cloves in there, and I threw a serrano cut open. So I just took off the stem 
and I cut open the Serrano and I just laid it in there. Hopefully the uh, tenderloin is going to start releasing juices and it's going to broil in its own juices and the juices are gonna get infused with the Serrano and we're gonna see how that turns out. <laughs> um, I eat a lot, a lot of jalapenos and serranos are what I cook with a lot, like for everyday dishes. So you use like jalapenos raw and serranos yes. you cook with? Yes, so I like my raw jalapenos and I like cooking with serranos. Jalapenos have, for me, a lighter bite. If I'm just looking for that extra heat, I can always just bite off a piece of it versus serrano. It depends on how many seeds I live in there or the membrane, if I'm just like using it to infuse the broth or using it to infuse a sauce or I use the whole thing. And sometimes I'll just take out all the membrane and the seeds um, and whatever heat is left in the meat of the serrano, that's as hot as it's gonna be. And it's pretty mild for me. I keep saying that because, you know, some people just can't do it. I can't, can't really do that. Um, so I have, um, the first part I'm going to do is broil. I said I had the the pork tenderloin broiling in there. It's on high because um, I don't want to be here all day. I already have the oven set to broil. So I'm going to cut these up and I'm going to leave a little bit of the seeds in maybe the Anaheim. I'm going to leave this a little bit of the seeds in the Anaheim, but I'm going to de-seed the Serranos because um, I want more more of that. I don't know how to explain it. It's like, it's it's a really much softer smell than the Anaheim. Oh yeah, the Anaheim's a lot sharper. Yes, and so I want the flavor of the Serrano to come through, but the heat of the Anaheim to also come through. All right. And less of that flavor. So I'm gonna de-seed those. And then I'm gonna just put them on a baking sheet and pop them in the broiler for a couple of minutes. So I am taking off the stems, slicing them straight down the middle. And with a little coffee spoon, I'm just gonna scrape out the membranes and the seeds. And you know, for people who are new to heat de-seeding jalapenos, you should probably, or chi chi chili peppers, you should probably uh, wear gloves. <laughs> but if you're an old hand, your your hands are already leathery and you just you don't wanna care. lick your hands when you're eating, right? <laughs> just don't touch, just don't wipe your eyes. Yes, please don't. Um, <laughs> And, you know, if a, a little seed here and there stays in there, it's fine for me. There are so many chili peppers. The only way to really know is for you to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, because sometimes even jalapenos can be... Yeah, yeah, I mean... What's the one... Isn't there a Japanese pepper where, like, is it the shishito? Like, the way that they breed it, out of ten of them, say, nine of them will be normal and one of them will be, like, outrageously hot. Personal experience, I am going to say yes. It has happened. So I've gotten shishito peppers um, at a restaurant for an appetizer and it's it's like, oh, these are so sweet, right? Like, oh, it, they're stuffed. They're stuffed with, you know, some kind of goat cheese or um, they're just uh, sauteed sauteed in a pan with some, some um, sesame oil or whatever. And I take a couple of bites of the first two. It's like, oh, they're good. They're awesome. They're sweet. All of a sudden, the third one is like mouth on fire. <laughs> I need some water. And I do water. I don't, I hate, I don't know what that thing is about the milk thing. I've never drank milk to make the heat in my mouth diminish. Well, they say it coats your taste buds and, and like stops the. Does it? That's what they say. Have you tried they it? Say that, they say water <laughs> makes it worse. Personally, I found that beer is the most effective. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Okay, we are going to take a short break from the birthplace and home of chili cooking, Mexico, and we're going to go to one of the cuisines that was most enriched by getting chilies. This is a Chinese cuisine, one of the two main chili-loving regions in China. This is from Sichuan. So Sichuan is one of the two main chili-loving regions in China, the other being Hunan. This particular dish, this is a condiment that we're going to be making, and this is called chili oil. Chili oil is, as you might imagine, oil infused with chilies. Right off the bat, I don't have the actual chili that is used in Sichuan. In Sichuan, they use a chili 
that is called the Facing Heaven Pepper. And the reason they call it that is because it, it points up instead of hanging down on the bush. Uh, so what I'm using today are uh, dried Thai chilies. All it said on the package was product of Thailand. They just need to be a hot, a hot dry chili because this heat is one part of the critical Sichuan flavor concept. It's how they organize flavor is around this particular principle and it's called mala. And ma means hot and la means numbing. So it's hot and numbing. And the heat comes from chilies, obviously. And the numbing comes from a spice that is unique to Sichuan called Sichuan pepper. It's not actually a pepper. Uh, I forget what particular species of plant it is, but it's a little bush and the little bush has little fruits or little seeds. And the seeds have husks and the husks give a quality. They basically, they numb the mouth. There's a fruitiness, like almost like a citrusiness to the, the uh, flavor, but the really distinctive note of Sichuan peppercorns is that they, they numb your mouth. There's a tingling sensation. Ma la is first to get the heat and then after the heat comes the numbing. And so it's like this one-two punch of sensation. The simplest way to add it to even things that, you know, don't necessarily contain it is with chili oil. Chili oil is made principally of dried chilies and Szechuan peppercorns. And there's some other stuff involved too. We'll get to that in a minute. So the first thing to do, Szechuan peppercorns, like a lot of dry spices, get toasted for a bit in, well, I'm using a skillet, but obviously in China, they'd be using a wok. And I'm gonna give a fair amount. So that's probably a little more than a tablespoon. I'm gonna give it a little bit more because you definitely, you almost can't make this stuff too potent. And I also have my, my mortar and pestle, which I have put a pretty decent sized handful of dried Thai chilies in. Once my Szechuan peppercorns get fragrant in the skillet, I'm gonna add them to the, uh, to the Thai chilies in the mortar and pestle. All right, so I've dumped them into my mortar and pestle with my good sized handful of uh, dried Thai chilies. One hundred percent, you can do this with chili flakes. I just happen to have some dried chilies laying around. But again, the hotter the better, and the redder the better in this case, because uh, one of the joys of chili oil is that it's got this brilliant sort of ruby red color. I've got it down to a pretty decent powder. There's still some big chunky flakes, but that doesn't really matter. And now what I'm gonna do is smash a piece of ginger and throw that in as well. And I will pound that just a little bit. And the final will be, and I'm not gonna pound anymore now because I don't, I don't wanna pound this. I'm adding some star anise. I don't wanna pound this down. I just want this to infuse into the oil. Just a single star. And you'll notice that star anise and uh, Szechuan peppercorns are two of the principal ingredients in what is commonly called five spice, but actually can contain pretty much as many spices as you want. But uh, star anise and Szechuan peppercorns are usually in all of them. And Szechuan peppercorns, they used to be impossible to get in the US. Um, they used to be banned. They are no longer banned. Um, you can get them pretty easily from your favorite spice retailer on the internet. They're not very expensive and they keep for a long time. So so this is not a simple infused oil. This is what you do is you bring the oil up to temperature. If I was using my thermometer, I would bring it up to about 400 degrees. Uh, I'm not, I don't have my thermometer out right now, so I'm not even going to use it. What I'm going to do is heat my oil up until it's just starting to smoke. Then I'll, I'll take it off the heat and I'll let it cool down just a little bit because I don't want to actually burn the spices when I add it and uh, add it to the spices. And it'll do a few things. It, it, you know, it's frying the spices. So you'll get a little bit of caramelization, a little bit of Maillard reaction. 
and that and it also is going to speed up the process quite a bit and then also particularly when you're using something like ginger um, that's fresh if there's any bacteria on it pouring the hot oil all over it will make those bacteria go to bacteria heaven this is a good topping for anything that needs heat it's going to be oily it's not like a water-based sauce or a vinegar sauce it's going to be oily it's going to be rich and it's going to give you a really intense shot of heat followed by if you use enough of the szechuan peppercorns followed by the numbing sensation don't want to splash it everywhere so i'm dumping it out into a larger bowl that will be impossible to uh to miss trust me i speak from experience when i say that splashing hot oil around is no fun and this particular recipe comes from the great fuchsia dunlop who was uh, i believe the first the first westerner to ever attend the main Sichuan culinary school. You want to use a neutral oil and one that's refined so that you can heat it up really hot and so that it doesn't have competing flavors. Um, you know, so canola would be fine, corn oil, just regular vegetable oil. Um, today, I just happen to have some grapeseed oil around, so that's what I'm using. Any neutral oil. Oh, I just started seeing a wisp of smoke. So I'm going to turn that oil off and let it cool real briefly just a minute or two probably good yeah that's really intense smelling i can already see it's already turning a dark red yeah it just has to sit now for a little while um, I'll generally store these in the refrigerator just because it typically for long storage of oil, particularly oil that's already been used, it stops it from becoming rancid so quickly. But yeah, this will keep for a while in the refrigerator. If you're, if you're in a fancy expensive restaurant, then you can strain it out. But most home places just keep all the stuff in and pour that on. And if you want it to be a little more intensely hot, you can throw the peppers on there. And if you want it to be hot, but a little mellower then you can just use the oil. And that's it. Szechuan chili oil. Shortcut to mala. I have a, a cookie sheet and I'm just putting my, my Anaheim peppers, my um, Serrano peppers, my um, very coarsely chopped onion. and It's a whole onion. And then I have four... Um, cloves of garlic and I'm just going to broil them for a couple of minutes. And are you not really cutting them up because you're going to just puree them later? Yes. They're going into the blender. Oh, the blender? Do you don't have a molcajete? <laughs> <laughs> Some things you don't want to pick up from your grandmother. <laughs> you know, I would. I would, but my time is so precious and this stuff is so intense. If you ever have the... Um, the ability to visit Mexico and go into the kitchen of somebody's grandma, do it. Cause then you'll see and appreciate all the hard work that goes into it. The ingredients are simple. There are not that many, but the way that they make the food is just so labor intensive. Labor intensive on our scale. To them, it's like easy day. Right. They do it every day, right? It's like, why don't you do it that right. way? Why are you, they what is the, that? What is a the blender? They, yes, like, and they make it so fast. So, you know, for, for us in the United States, we are a little more accustomed to machines and um, blenders because they do it so quickly. Right. And you know, you can spread your time around. But if I had the time, I would. So, so is, there, is there a difference between, because I've found that there's certain sauces, like even a hollandaise, blender hollandaise is perfectly good. Like there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not the same. But it's not the... quite as airy. Oh yeah. You know when yes. you make as when you make it, it doesn't quite have that like fluffy feeling. Yes, yes. The answer to your question is yes. It's not the same. But you know that's I feel to a certain extent, and I always play devil's advocate to people like us where our life is food. Like we just we enjoy every piece of it, every morsel of it. But to the everyday person. If you're in a bind, you know, you're not going to be able to taste the difference. I mean, yeah. it definitely isn't. I'm always like, yeah. my, my whole, my attitude is always like, you know, for the most part, use the convenience, but every now and then it's nice to take the time, right. you know, and then people, because I always feel like even if they even if people don't exactly know what's going on, I feel like I can always see like 
something oh, yeah. churning in their eyes. Like oh, this is yeah. different, you know, something is. Oh, and, I mean, come on. Like if something as simple as frijoles de olla. So beans made on the stove, not even in a crock pot. I'm not talking about crock pot. I'm talking about like on the stove in a clay pot versus a can of beans that's already been cooked and prepared for you. And you just dump it in a saucepan and you put a little bit of uh, ground seasonings in it and about serve that which one if you had a blind test which one would people be like oh my god this tastes so much better it, of course the the beans in the clay pot on the stove you know that your your grandma soaked overnight and then she added just that perfect amount of leaves in it and you know seasonings and onion and garlic and just a splash of oil you know what i'm saying and yes i agree it's always going to taste better if you take the time to do everything with your hands. And it does. And this is a, and this, you know, I should, I should say too, like this is, this is one of the speedier yes. moles around. Like oh my some God. of them, you know, I know take days. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, yes. This is, this is like the one that you make because you have 10 people coming to your house in 30 minutes. I remember, um, the last time my aunt made this, it was in 2016. Um, I was visiting, I was riding through, um, David and I were going cross country with, on our motorcycles. Um, we stopped in Chicago to visit my family and see my grandparents. And uh, my aunt was like, let's, let's make a, you know, let's cook out for everybody. I'm like, let's do it. And there's like 50 people in my family. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. She's like, don't worry. We're going to make mole verde. And we also made a uh, mole rojo. So we made a red version of this. Uh -huh. um, and is the only difference with that going to be using red chili peppers? peppers? Yes. Everything. Okay. So all the ingredients that we have here are green. Right. So I have the green Anaheim peppers, the green Serrano peppers. The pumpkin seeds are supposed to be green, too. I'm supposed to have green pumpkin seeds, which I don't have. I'm imagining them. Yes. Don't forget about your chilies. Ooh. Let me turn these over real quick. They're beautifully charred on one side. The top part will, will char, so make sure you flip them. And if you're only doing a couple, too, you can do them right over a gas flame. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, again, that was just, like... Two two minutes? Yeah, not very not, not, not very, very long. Much long. Um, but all the ingredients on here are green. So I have uh, green tomatoes, which usually they're fresh, but because welcome to Alaska, <laughs> I have canned tomatillos. And canned tomatillos always have a lot of water, so you want to get as much water out of them as possible. So right now, right before I blend them, I'm going to smash it so a little bit more of that uh, moisture comes out. And then I have spinach. I have some parsley. Flat leaf. Flat leaf. And I have some cilantro. Again, all of these ingredients um, are green. So that's the color that your sauce is going to come out. Right. It's, and that's why it's called uh, mole verde. Verde in Spanish is green. So it is a green sauce. So if you're making a rojo, what, what, what changes? I would get some Thai chilies if I wanted them and make sure Thai chilies are really hot. So you don't want to use a lot, maybe one. <laughs> Instead of tomatillos, you would have the, the red tomatoes, as red as you can get them. The vine tomatoes are perfect for that because they kind of have a very neutral taste and they don't have um, notes that you can pick out like um, a cherry tomato or any other tomato that's red. So the tomato in this one would be more of almost like a body for the sauce as opposed to necessarily a distinct tomato flavor? Right. So it, it definitely makes the um, consistency of the sauce. It makes, because, uh, you know, I mean, the seeds, when you blend it, hopefully everything gets blended. That was one of the things that I remembered when you were talking about the difference between making everything by hand and by blender. A lot of times people um, will not get a satisfactory um, finish because the skins of the tomatoes, they'll stay in there and they don't know that they can just run it through a strainer um, get most of the um, waste out. It's not the same. They'll serve it like that, or, right. you know. And yeah. it, it's it's one of those things. But if you so, do it by hand, all that stuff gets pureed right, into it. Right. And it, I mean, you're literally smashing it all together in the texture of the molcajete. It's stone, and so you've got a really hard surface. You're rubbing into rock, and so it's just. It just makes a world of difference. Now what I want to do is toast. 
my seeds with my tortilla because everything else is gonna take almost no time whatsoever. I'm just stabbing the uh, tomatillos to get a little bit more of that water out, but I am gonna reuse the water. I'm gonna start blending the tomatillos because as soon as the seeds and the tortillas are not gonna need a lot of time, and as soon as that's done, you wanna get it in there. So the peppers are all charred and black. Now you're gonna steam them to just get the skins couple, off? Yes, just for a couple of minutes. Shouldn't take very long. For the serranos, I like to char them a little bit and leave the char on there so it'll keep that flavor mixed into the sauce. And that's just my personal preference. Again, I want the serrano, uh, the serrano flavor to come through more than the Anaheim. That's why I love chili peppers because you can do with them, they're a fruit and they're good for you. <laughs> they're good for your digestive system and you can do a slew of things with them. Like it's just incredible, the type of stuff. So usually you would throw the pumpkin seeds and the sesame seeds in here with, my aunt again does a little piece of tortilla. So I'm gonna do a little piece of tortilla. Is that just to get a bit of that corn flavor into it? Yeah. I have seen this done in so many dishes, like so many Mexican dishes where they just don't, like my mom, when she refries beans, she'll not only saute onions in the oil before she puts the beans in it, she'll put a piece of tortilla in it. You don't want these to burn. I usually do about two pinches of that, but I'm doing three because, again, I don't have my pumpkin seeds. This is the sesame seeds? These are the sesame seeds. And the pumpkin seeds, you use a lot of them. I'm so sad I don't have them. I'm so, so sad. Well, just imagine. Yeah. You have to use your imagination a lot when you're eating in Alaska. <laughs> this is how it would have tasted. <laughs> That's how cuisine moves forward, is by <laughs> Right. By using what's there. Right. So you want to get them a little brown where most of them start looking a little brown, but not burnt. And these burn very easily. I had the, the heat about medium. Um, and as soon as I saw my tortilla crisping, I put the tortilla in first. And as soon as I saw it crisping, then that's when I put these in here. Um, basically what you want to do is get the notes of the sesame seed to come out and that doesn't take very much. Um, the pumpkin seed has a much lighter flavor than the sesame seed. It's a big part of the consistency of the sauce, so I'm kind of scared about what we're gonna do here, Jeff. It might be a little thinner than <laughs> usual. I think I'm kinda, I'm scared and I'm gonna be disappointed. That's all right. I can just edit out the disappointment. <laughs> That's the magic of radio. Oh my God, this is too close to the cabinet. <laughs> So you're, you're frying some more tortillas. What, are, what is this for? I'm substituting for the pumpkin seeds. So I'm gonna to get, try to give it some body. To try with, to get a thicker texture. Yes, I'm gonna try to give it some body with uh, the tortillas. And uh, fried tortillas make everything taste better. <laughs> <laughs> um, I grew up in South Texas and South Texas, you know, it's a lot of Tex-Mex food, uh, a blend of Mexican and Southern Texas cooking. People in San Antonio love their flour tortillas, and I do not. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, they're delicious. They really are. I just, I like to eat, I like to enjoy what I'm eating and not feel like I'm stuffing my face. And when I eat flour tortillas, it just fills me up too fast, and I don't get to enjoy the food, you know, like. Yeah, well, you can, you can definitely eat more. Yeah. More corn tortillas than you can a flour tortilla. It also helps regulate you. So you can make anything into a taco. Yeah. Anything. I, I, eat, I eat breakfast tacos basically every single morning. Every morning, yes. That's, I do too. That's pretty much what yes. I eat. I usually onions and a couple of eggs and if I have any little bits of meat around. Oh, peppers. Bad. It Ooh. almost smells like a poblano. It's not quite as dark. Right. So this one is a lot smokier. Like Right. I'm going to put all this in there and then blend it for a little bit. All right. Um, I am going to make some chicken broth 
with some dried chicken bouillon, the water of the tomatillos, and some hot water. And while that, while I'm about to make that, I will add some parsley, not too much, um, maybe four or five branches. And then cilantro, um, that's coriander, right, in English? It's still cilantro. Cilantro, okay. Yeah. We still, well, we call the, the seeds, the seeds are coriander, and then the, but the leaves are still cilantro. It's different in the UK. Got I think it. they call it all coriander. Yeah. Um, I'm getting about four or five branches, and then the cilantro is up to taste. So for me, I have no aversion to cilantro, but people like my husband do. Oh, does he do the, does yeah, he have the soap he, thing? Yes. Well, actually it's worse than soap. It's, for him, it's it's like dirt. Oh. Like it's just acrid. It's just, it's not, uh, it has no flavor whatsoever, huh. except bad. <laughs> but I'm putting some parsley in there. I'm gonna put in a lot of spinach, which is also gonna give it body. So maybe like three handfuls, good, good handfuls of spinach in there. I like to use a lot of cilantro, and I'm gonna do it this time so David's not gonna partake. Um, I do like sticking the stock in there, but I'm gonna cut off a little bit of it. And it's gonna get really thick with all these leaves in there. It's quite a blender full of green. Yes. So that's what I'm making the broth for. And that'll, that'll thin it out through thin its it final out. consistency? Yeah. Definitely. I'm gonna turn it on again. Okay. Okay, so we are just about there. Yes, I am about to put the seasonings, the chicken broth, and taste it to see where I want to balance it out and whatnot. Um, and the only seasonings I'm adding are um, a little bit of white pepper. It's a lot spicier. Um, it comes off much spicier than regular black pepper. I do have a little bit of cumin, so that's gonna add a, just a little bit of what I like to call pizzazz. Mmm, that's good. Do you taste the tortilla? Oh, that's delicious. Can you taste you know, the corn? I feel, like, I feel like maybe it's like a little sweetness kind of like at the back. I'm not, I'm mostly getting like a grassiness from the, especially from the cilantro and the, the, and the parsley. And then I'm also getting not, it's not, it's not what I would call hot at all, although some people would probably, their mouths would be on fire, but like I wouldn't <laughs> describe it as particularly hot at all. Um, there's a little bit of kind of a tingle right at sort of the back sides of my tongue mm -hmm. and a little bit of smokiness and some sweetness. And yeah, I think I, I, I do sort of detect, I wouldn't know that it was a tortilla, you know? I would just kind of be like, that. It, it's like a roundness, you know? That was the first flavor that popped out to me, was the corn. I was like, whoa, right there. <laughs> so I'm going to add the chicken broth. I'm, gonna, I'm definitely gonna add the white pepper because um, I want a little bit of that, the spice to go a little forward <laughs> on your tongue and then a little bit of black pepper and cumin and that's it. We do a lot of things by smell. <laughs> I don't know if you find this, but a lot of times I feel like I'm crazy when I think it, but sometimes I feel like I can tell when I've got enough salt in something. Oh yeah. By the smell. Yes. Oh yeah. Me too. You know, like yeah. I'll, I'll, it's a thing. I'll smell it and I'll be like, it's pretty close, but I don't think it's quite there yet. And I'll taste it. I'll be like, no, it definitely needs more salt. And then I'll <laughs> add more salt. And then all of a sudden, like things come into, well, that's my, my go-to metaphor for salt is that it's like focus in photography, <laughs> you know, like once you've got the amount of salt, right? Like everything comes into focus in the oh, right yeah. way. That you know, and everything has like the, the right relationship to each other. Mm -hmm. You know, nothing's blurry, nothing's unclear. I couldn't agree with you more. Like salt is, what do you call that? Like a unifier yeah. with, for everything. Like it's just, yeah, you know, definitely. Okay, I'm gonna turn this on again. Okay. to go for a couple of maybe like two minutes and while it's doing that I'm gonna go ahead and cut um, cut the pork tenderloin and pan sear it real quick so the pan searing is more for the um, caramelization 
of the meat, not necessarily for the cooking. I'm adding some salt. You know, in my um, in my excitement, I might have put too much cilantro. I don't think so. I just love it. It's I'm, good. I'm not even gonna lie. I love it so much. Oh, that's delicious. Now. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, the heat's perked up just a little yep. bit. With that, that little bit of white pepper. And right. we did add the salt at the very, very end. And how you were saying, Jeff, it brought everything together. Yeah. So now I don't feel so bad about the cilantro. Yeah, it's delicious. Maybe... You know what, it, the thing that I noticed the most is that now the smokiness is like right at the at the tippy top like yeah. all of a sudden i really notice it much yeah. more than i did before yeah and i feel like a little bit of like a charred corn kind yes. of thing going on you know that oh my god that is my favorite part <laughs> so before i dang did i burn my oil i don't think so it's not smoking okay. before i burn my oil i'm gonna put these on it's nothing that hasn't happened to me before <laughs> Cooking it is just to give it that uh, caramelization and the browning. It looks a little better on the plate, you know. <laughs> so while we're doing this, let's talk about dried chilies. Oh, let's. So this this recipe doesn't contain dried chilies, but no. they're they're really common in a lot of other recipes. So can you talk a little bit about like I know like anchos are dried poblanos, right? Mm -hmm. And I know the basic ones, you know, I know like guajillos and anchos, chipotles, puyas, um, and then I'm not that, is that, that negros are one of them? Negro, the and, negro, the ones I have down here are, are negros. Yeah. And there's basically like, to my mind, at least sort of the way that I think about it, there's like, there's the raisiny sweet ones and then there's the hot ones. Raisiny sweet. Yeah. So when would you use different, different varieties of dried chiles in you know, different sauces. This again, has everything to do with the flavor that you want pronounced and the color that you're working with. For for me, this is not true for everybody. And so, right. uh, like when I make chicken tortilla soup, I use not only the chile de arbol, which is um, the dried red long peppers, but I also use um, an ancho pepper. I use both of them because the red dried pepper gives off um, the heat, while the ancho gives the smokiness and the color. So when you when you go to use dried chilies, because you know you generally they, you don't just throw them in dry. No. So what's the no. what do you do to? You want to soak them. So okay, my mom, my mom makes. And she's probably gonna hate me for saying this, but my mom makes the best, the best, like four ingredient red salsa on the face of this earth. And she uses a microwave. Um, that's all right, it's the best, it's the best home chocolate melting tool. <laughs> that's true. Um, just don't forget to have it on the right setting. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, we, we talked about that in the chocolate episode. Yes. There's a disquisition on microwaves that yes, you can yes. consult. <laughs> So for her recipe, this is this is something she did all by herself because she was in a pinch and you know we didn't have a lot of money. And so <laughs> what she did was she uh, pan fried the dry uh, red pepper, pan fried it like three seconds because they burn so fast. And then she puts the peppers, tomatoes, garlic in a plastic bag. <laughs> in the microwave for one minute. And then when it comes out of the microwave, you blend it. Oh, all you do is add salt and that is it. Oh, that's four ingredients. There, there you go. go. So. Now, do you always toast your, your chilies? Because I know that's a, that's a big step in, in Indian cooking. All the dry spices pretty much, including the chilies, get toasted in a dry pan. Is that, is that the standard in Mexican cooking? For, and I, again, I'm gonna preface with, from my experience with my aunts and, and my grandmother, no. Okay. Um, 
you can, if you want to heat them up before, you can, but most of the time they get put in really hot water, boiling water to soften up. And then after they've been softened, that's when you use them in your recipes. And do you just treat them like a regular chili? Right. Take out all the seeds, cut off the stems? If that's what you so desire. Right. Um, a lot of times we did not de-seed de the, <laughs> the chilies. Okay. That looks amazing. So, here is a steak knife so you can try. Ooh. I'm gonna try too. Uh, it's just white rice with... A little bit of... I'm from Louisiana. White rice is my favorite starch. Well, it's, it's got a little bit of that chicken stock. Just a little. Mmm. Yeah, it's so good. Like, the sweetness of the pork is, like, counteracted by, you know, the little bit. It, you know, it's not, like, a, again, I wouldn't say it's hot. I could imagine some people <laughs> might... But I, I would have a hard time imagining anybody thinking that this was like blaringly spicy. Oh no, yeah, this is not spicy at all. Mm -mm. Yeah, you, you know what's really coming through now is the acidity from the tomatillos. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm really, I'm getting that like with the pork and the sweetness and then this little, right at the end, you know, it's after you swallow, there's like this sort of satisfying little, little tingle that you go, ah. Mm -hmm. So, so your, your grandfather would, would be taking out his little bag right now and popping one of, what kind of chilies did he have? Chile piquin. Piquin. Oh yeah. This would be like candy to him on the level of heat. Yeah. He'd be like, no le echaste chile, no le echaste chile, no pica, no pica, no. So, so what in general, like obviously we're having this with pork right now, but what else, what else would you serve this with? Anything. Anything. But our family likes chicken. And it, it, honestly, without talking, it would have taken like 30, 30 minutes. <laughs> if that, yeah. No, yeah. it was really, it was really simple. It's just, it, it sounds like it took a lot longer because I made you narrate the whole way through it. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, like, I know we're, we're kind of joking about Alaska and how difficult it is to get things, but really you could make this pretty easily. You know, you might have to substitute some of the peppers. And I feel like sometimes there are pumpkin seeds. I just don't think they're in an obvious place and I don't think they're always there. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts on chilies? Don't be scared of them, first of all. Um, play with the colors and the flavors and de-seeding, not de-seeding, um, taking off part of the seeds. But try it because adding chilies to any dish is almost like putting up decorations for a party. That's what it makes your food feel like. And it's not just Mexican cuisine. It's anything. Right. Experiment, that's experiment, experiment, experiment. Chilies only bring color and life to food. That's my last word. Perfect. Check the Pantry is produced by Jeff Lockwood at the studios of KBBI in Homer, Alaska. Today's guest was Evangelina Briggs, who makes chocolate at Homer Truffle Company with her husband, David. You'll find their chocolates around Homer or at their website, homertruffle.co. The theme music is String Quartet, Opus 10, Movement 2 by Claude Debussy, performed by Quatuor Ebane. This is the first episode of the summer 2019 season of Check the Pantry. Your financial donation as a listener makes this and other KBBI programs possible. Visit the KBBI public radio website at kbbi.org support to help produce programs like this.
Thank you. 